everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. We're coming to you tonight after Liverpool winning 2-1 at Crystal Palace. Um, another three points in the bag. Our lead at the top of the Premier League preserved. And to talk through it, not that there's a great deal to talk about, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Uh, we have first up in Liverpool, Jay Reid. Jay, how are you? Uh, all good, mate. Uh, shaking off the hangover from a big session yesterday, but... I'll be honest with you, I don't really recall much from that game because there wasn't much to recall apart from the three points and we roll on, don't we? Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I'm sitting here <laughs> trying to work out what we're going to talk about. And it's, it's very difficult, but here, we'll, we'll introduce Shengus instead. Shengus is with us from Cyprus. How are you? I'm all right, mate. Um, are, are you in yeah. Cyprus or are you global? Yeah, I am. I'm in Cyprus indeed. I'm, I, I moved back here um, uh, last month. Uh, after traveling and uh, yeah, the weather is still fantastic here. I don't know how it is uh, over there in Brazil, but 24, 25 degrees during the day gets a bit chilly at night. But yeah, um, not too bad at all. Uh, and in Brazilian terms, that's sort of puffer jack, jacket, ski jacket weather here. If it drops below 25, you see them all out in their coats. So that, I'd that, take that's, half that, 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 that we could get it. <laughs> and that's what they freeze near. Try telling them that, though. Try telling them that. They don't get it. They <laughs> just don't get it. I, say, I think the people here have this inbuilt sort of thermometer in them, and it falls below 25. <laughs> you know, it's like winter woolies and North Face gear, you know. Uh, and I, I find it incredibly funny, because like, I'm still just shorts and flip-flops. It's like, fucking hot. But anyhow, I suppose I need to talk about this game. Um, Jay, I'll start with you. Um, you know, I think the positive for me, and I said at the pre-pod, is you know, we have a terrible habit of coming off these international breaks. And we, we, we're still winning. We we tend to concede an early goal. Um, it didn't happen this time. And and I think part of that was Crystal Palace were very compact. Certainly the... Sorry, there's fireworks. Sorry, Flamengo won. We'll talk about it later. Um, I would say they seem very compact. Hodgson didn't seem to have much adventure in them in the first sort of 10 to 15 minutes. They, they sat very very deep they were very happy in fact maybe the whole game they were very happy for us to have the ball um and, and that's a sort of strange tactic and you know we we, we give roy pelters um maybe with, with good reason but like he's no mug and i found it kind of strange that initial setup and and we did sort of struggle to break it down at the, at the start yeah i think the first half especially we were architects of our own downfall and what what chances we give we give away to them. Um, I think Trent was sloppy with a few balls in the first half. He sort of remember one significant one where he tried to play a crossfield ball to Robbo and think put AU straight in on goal, um, which on another day a better forward would punish us. So you could say we, we sort of got away with the fact that Palace aren't that good and if they were, they would have probably got a different result in the outcome of the game. But it is the the international hangover that we seem to have lingering over us because obviously I think the commentary team that I had on the stream I was watching it through said all but two of our players have been away playing international football and the only ones who hadn't were Salah and Robertson due to injury doubts and out of the Palace lads they only had four players so they've had time to work on what sort of game set up they were going with and as you say Roy isn't a mug in terms of he knows what he's doing to get what he needs to get to get by in, in the managerial game. He, he wouldn't get this far with this many clubs and still be knocking around. All right, some of his football isn't great, but he knows what to do to get 
results and the job done. So I think they they had a game plan to probably frustrate us and they did put a little bit of pressure onto our fullbacks and stopped us playing first half and we we struggled to get going and when we did get going obviously it sort of clicked a little bit better. But if you would have asked any Liverpool fan before the game, you're gonna go to Palace, your grindhouse three points and get a 2-1 victory and get out of there with no one injured and move on. I think we probably all would have shook your hand and took it before the game anyway. So in, in hindsight, we, we got what we went for and it wasn't pretty, but we, we haven't really played pretty football much across the season. I think we're all hoping for that couple of games where the front three all spark together and there's goals galore. But at the end of the day, three points is, doesn't matter how they come as long as you get them, really. No, I, I agree with you there, Jay, and and you know you make a, you make a fair point, and I think maybe this is the period now. You know, there's no more international breaks for for three and a half months, basically, and this is the time. You know, and and, and I hark back to the Ferguson era, and you know he he had his business done in the Champions League by this stage. You know, he qualified for, and this is where Manchester United used to just rubber stamp their league. This is where they got their points over the Christmas period. And they really went hard at it. You know, no international breaks, no no distractions whatsoever. And, you know, with that in mind, Jay, I think that you're what you're saying, this is the period where we kick on. You know, if you look at it now, right the way through basically to February near enough, or the middle of January anyway, we're looking at two games a week from here on in. So you imagine that everything is just going to click in. You know, we, it should. We've seen it in the last two seasons. From From this period, we get better and better. We are better when we play twice a week. I mean, I know it's probably not physically ideal in terms of the amount of games we've got to play, but I think I've touched on, we've only got to play one more game compared to the December period of last year. Klopp said to himself, we're better with momentum. We just roll into game into game. Um, and we, we're probably tapered up for, for this period now. We've got squad players coming back, the likes of Cater and Ox are getting minutes in the legs and Shaqiri was back in training this week. I think the only one that really missing now is Matic. Um But once we get him back, hopefully within the next couple of weeks we can reintegrate him and give us a healthy squad. Obviously we probably will pick up something along the way in terms of an injury, but we are better and if we can get through this period of even just to Christmas and still keep a healthy lead, then it should benefit us in the second half of the season. Like you said, with the Ferguson of old, it's it's the time when you, you rubber stamp what you've got and you lay down a marker and hopefully looking slightly ahead this week, we've got Napoli. If we can confirm our Champions League status with a game to go, that'll sort of take the pressure off. We won't have to go to Salzburg and get a result. Absolutely. And it allows for a little bit of rotation in there as well. And, and you know, like, Certainly the players that are coming off the bench now, the, the level of trust with them is, is reaching good levels as well. But Jengis, I want to come to you about the goals basically in this game, which were reflective of the game, really. Um, you know, Mane scored with his knee. Um, scuffed, but goalkeeper helped it in, had a couple of posts and went in. Um, you know, Bobby's goal was a scrappy fest as well. Um, and even their goal was a bit scrappy. You know, the goals sort of signified to me the nature of the game and, and it was it wasn't it was a hard watch and, and you never really felt it was it was going to go against us 
But you did put into our group, this would be a really bad time for them to score a goal around sort of 60 minutes, and within the next 10, they had leveled it up. And at that stage, I agree with you, it just didn't look like we, at that stage of the game, we, we were going to get a second. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the first thing um, I'll say is that I'm going to have to echo the words of um, Klopp after the game that, you know, if if we'd only win the games that we played our utmost um, best, most brilliant football, then uh, we wouldn't be set where we are um, at the top of the table right now. So it's these kind of games where, you know, it's incredibly boring and a bit scrappy and you get these um, unexpected, um, uh, you know, um, not not so nice looking goals um going in and you know that's what makes a difference in the end um yeah mane uh, i i thought he had a he had a he had a pretty decent game considering you know n- none of the players on the pitch looked uh really good but you know he's he just looks absolutely um unbelievable you know overall even when he's um, not at his uh, silkiest best uh still doing the bits uh, I think he scored um, 29 goals um, in 2019. Um, so it's just brilliant to see him continuing to, you know, bomb on uh, with just uh, continuing scoring those goals. Um, but, you know, Palace is, it, it's never really been um, a comfortable place uh, for us. And uh, as, as I mentioned, as you touched upon, um, you know, it, it didn't really look like if we had conceded a goal um uh, right as as I mentioned that in the WhatsApp group, uh, it would have been uh, comfortable for us. But it, it's it's e- it's easy to forget that we're just absolute mentality giants now. And uh, even if there's um, one minute left in the game at, at the end of the stoppage time, uh, you know it, it just takes one set piece um, for us to get that equalizer or the winner, uh, if you like. So um, it's just you know. I, I remember like I'm, my missus was hanging around and uh, she saw the frustration in my face and, you know, she's trying to kind of um, uh, calm me down. I was like, don't worry, you know, we still have uh, five or 10 minutes uh, to go. It's, it's going to be all right. And, you know, we, we scored the winner and I'm, I'm screaming in, in the, in the, in the house and uh, it's not over until we say it's over. And, you know, it's, it's just uh, the, the story of the season that it's not over until we say that it is over. So, uh, it's just brilliant um, going into the uh, into the hectic period now. No more international breaks, um, as you say. There's going to be and uh, last year, um, I think we had um, eight wins, uh, eight straight wins in December, which was fantastic. Um, so if if we can at least um, even partly emulate that um, this season, uh, we, we're going to head into 2020 in great shape. It just playing devil's advocate well, I don't disagree with you in any way Shingers, but just to play a little devil, devil's advocate here relate there to the, the, the mentality giants and the fact that we can come back at it. but for, for me at, at times I just feel that you know we're, we're relying on that a little too often <laughs> you know that, that you know the more that you rely yeah. on it the more the more the risk of it not coming off increases you know what I mean it's, it's one thing to be able to do it do it do it one of these days it's, it's not going to come off and that that that's a concern for me uh, I'd much prefer to see these games, you know, being two 0 up at halftime or the game buried, and 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 hopefully that's what this prolonged period now without international football can can lead us to. But I do feel there's a, there's a, there's an element of risk in there that I, I don't like. I mean, sure, of course, it's uh, it's not pleasant, especially considering how many clean sheets we were keeping uh, last season. That was definitely one of um, uh, the best parts of last season for me was that 
uh, you were almost guaranteed a clean sheet um, in in the majority of games. And uh, this season, we're having to concede uh, many goals, usually the, the first goal as well. Um, not in this case, although we kind of... Um, Perhaps you could you could you could suggest that we got away uh, with it with VAR, although I do think it was the right decision. Um, but nevertheless, um, on the flip side of what you just said, um, these were the kind of games in the last few years where it, it wasn't going our way. Uh, we weren't coming back, and we were um, either losing the games or um, drawing them. And now, when you look at it, uh, you know it's not just uh, down to pure luck, but we're actually forcing. Um, um, our own luck and, you know, creating these situations, especially uh, when, when, we, uh, when we concede a goal, um, uh, when, when the opposition equalize or if we're uh, losing a game, you can de- definitely um, see um, the, the, the dramatic change um, in how we start playing, how we start pressing. You know, um, there were certain games when we um, conceded the first goal and you could see that, you know, the, the, the passing was a bit patchy and, uh, the fullbacks weren't switching the play so much. Trent wasn't crossing the ball that much. And then as soon as we conceded that goal, you can immediately see the change in aggression um, in the game, especially in the fullbacks. Uh, Trent would start whipping in uh, many more balls into the box. And uh, you can definitely see the switch up in gear. So um, I think uh, the team most probably has a, a kind of mechanism or some some kind of mentality where they can kind of switch up a gear in in these kind of conditions to try and um, uh, really try and force to get a goal a, a bit more, whereas normally, um, so I think it's actually a good sign and uh, it could be um, that we will probably see or hopefully see in a few weeks that uh, hopefully we start to keep a few more clean sheets and um, show the difference in our fitness levels compared to uh, other teams. So uh, if we can manage to you know, keep, keep the core of our team uh, fit and strong, I think this is the period where we actually start keeping a, uh, a few more clean sheets uh, and controlling games a bit more when other teams will uh, start tiring. It seems, it seems a bit rich. And it was only devil's advocate. It seems a bit rich to be complaining whenever you're bagging three points every game. But, Jay, I'll come back to you. And Shang has touched on it, the, the VAR decision. And the only reason I'm going to bring this in is because I find it very refreshing. Uh, Uncle Roy was very frank about the flank, if you want to say, uh, about... You know, the, the push, it was there. We also saw on the screen, in the ground, you know, it was related to the fans, the push. And there was something refreshing. I don't know. There was just something refreshing about the whole thing that it seemed to be accepted a whole lot better. There hasn't, obviously, the, the same idiots are complaining, you know, City fans, United fans, complaining that we're going to win the league because of AR and shit like that, which is bollocks. But I just thought, given all the controversy there was prior to it, this was a very refreshing different way of looking at VAR and, and you know the fact that the manager comes out and goes I have no problem with it it was a foul you know and 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 then as I say it was relayed on the TV screens big difference yeah the, obviously the benefits of Palace having a screen in their ground to show what the decision was and why they had come to it was obviously not available in all grounds it's not at Anfield especially we haven't got a screen um, so we wouldn't get that benefit and I think we discussed last week on the pod would would it be a case of grounds requiring a screen of VARs in, which for me, it'd take away the aesthetics of Anfield anyway, if we did put one in. But I suppose if it's something that the game requires, then it might be have to be something we just to accept. To be honest, Jay, we, we, we're one of the very few these days, I would imagine, that, that doesn't have it. Yeah, even like the old shed across Stanley Park's got a screen there, but I think that's more to block out 
the view of the magical Anfield, but bitter as they are, they have got a screen. Um, but they should yeah, play other they, games on it. <laughs> the can resist. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, we we might touch on them later on, but um, the, it was a foul, and it, it's nice that an opposition manager can come out and admit that because a lot of managers would have said, no, 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 it's not worth it. But if it goes for your team, then, you know, you, you, you're grateful that it's been given. Um, and obviously, if it goes against you, then you, you are probably a little bit pissed off. But it was a foul. Lovren probably made sure it was a foul by the fact he over-exaggerated the fall. But, you know, if you've got a push in the box, and I think we had the idiots on being sports, like Gray and Keyes saying, it didn't affect the goal. Well, I'm sorry, but if, if Loughlin gets a clear run and a jump at the ball, he's probably close to getting a header on it because it had only just come over him um, by the time he'd been pushed. So it did affect the goal. Um, and it was bold that they come out and they give that decision because at first I didn't know what they would give a VAR review for and it took about three or four replays for me to see what it was, but it was the right call in the end. It it might have even done us a favour had we have gone in one nil down. We probably would have come out a lot more vibrant in the second half anyway. And, and I don't think the result would have been in doubt of what we would have picked up at the end of the ninety minutes. But it's nice that they've obviously come out and made a decision and, and stuck by it because it was the right one to be made. Absolutely, it sort of had the feel of, of rugby union and, and the, the fact the screen was there and whatnot. And, and to me, just, just as my own personal point of view with, with, with VAR, I think that diffuses an awful lot of the, the maybe the anger. And you know, you're always going to get idiots who'll, who'll, who'll always see it their own way, but the majority of reasonable people can look at that and go, "Yeah, fair enough." Well, um, if you're in the and, ground, you see that, and you, like, yeah. you can accept, might not accept it being the right decision, but you can accept why they've made the decision. Yeah. There was a contact there. He fell down, as you say, maybe over exaggerated it. But at the end of the day, as Hodgson said, a foul's a foul, and if, uh, he would have been very unhappy if a goal had been given against his side that way and, and whatnot. So, like you know, to me, fair play. And I know we we'll bash him an awful lot, but he's got kudos for that one. Um, Shengus, I'll, I'll come back across to you because we find ourselves we've consolidated our position, um, albeit a little nervily, but we, we got there and. Uh, you know, we remain nine points ahead. City went out and did the business um, against Chelsea, who they had a, a, a pretty rough first half against. And Jay had been on the pod previous. I had edited it, and you know, he was convinced they were going to drop points. Now, that claim wasn't unfounded, um, but I think that City were maybe writing them off a little bit too soon. Um, you know, they're, they're going to win a lot of games. Um, and even with injuries, they're still going to win a lot of games. Just like we did without Salah. Um, you know, I know he was he was primed to come on before the second goal went in, and you know, told you everything. Just you sit back down again. You're you're all, you're all about the midweek. So, like with, with that in mind, you know, what what did I th- you know? Obviously, you watched the City game. They they responded to being twelve points behind is basically what I'm getting at, and and I think it's something that we should prepare ourselves for. Yes, the potential is there for them to drop points, maybe more than it was last season. But I think it's maybe a little fanciful to think that they'll drop that many because they are pretty damn good. I mean, yeah, they are, they are, they are pretty good. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, they do have 
um, their issues with the injuries. And I think is this the first or maybe second at most um, top six or seven team that they've played? I, I think they, they've only played, uh, this might be the first or only, uh, well, so they played us, they played Chelsea recently. I'm not sure if they played anyone else. Spurs. Uh, played Spurs. Spurs also, yeah. Can, uh, but we, can we, we include them in the big boys at the minute? Really? Yeah, I mean, we've definitely played more of the big boys, so at least we, we have that advantage on our side. Um, and, you know, uh, if, if, if we can continue with, um, you know, last year's trend, we don't really have to uh, worry about them uh, dropping too many points. I mean, our, def- our December fixtures um, don't look too bad. Uh, we obviously have the, the derby coming up um, on the 4th of December. Uh, we have we have Brighton before that, but uh, our fixtures don't look too bad. We have Bournemouth on the 7th and Watford on the 14th. Uh, followed by West Ham, which was postponed, and um, Leicester on the 26th, which is going to be a tough one. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I'm fairly comfortable with um, our, our upcoming schedule at the moment. Uh, I, I haven't really had the chance to look at cities, but uh, at this moment, we, we kind of have the luxury of just worrying about what's in front of us and not having to uh, worry about what's in front of them. And, you know, we, we, we so far have a fairly... A healthy squad um, with, you know, um, Ox um, coming back into good form. Finally, I know yesterday uh, wasn't really the best of his games. He he started out um, a bit poorly on the left and got a bit yeah, better he, on the he, right. He, he, he got two full run outs for England, which for us is kind of invaluable considering the way we use him. He played the full 90, I think, for two games for England. And, uh, and you know, while we don't like to see our players overused, I think in his case, I think he needed it. Absolutely. I mean, uh, what what better? Um, uh, it's good that he can get a, a bit of rhythm because, you know, especially with the intensity that we play, um, you wouldn't want to push him too much or rely on him because, you know, we're going to have to get some rotation in, in the in the coming in the coming days now. Especially, for example, Fabinho uh, got his fifth yellow, so he's going to miss the Brighton game. So that that brings up a question: Where uh, does Ox play again, or do do you bring in uh, Jimmy Milner to play? Or uh, perhaps um, uh, Nabi Keita might, might feature again. So, you know, it, it's good to kind of have that option again now where he has his fitness and you can kind of uh, rely on him uh, to start games and expect him to have an impact uh, at least for 60 minutes or so. Um, and, you know, we're, we're going to need um, all our manpower that we have uh, in, in this period because, you know, especially um, uh, since, since the weather is also getting uh, much colder and, we're going to fly out to um, Qatar in um, uh, for the Club World Cup, and you know the, temp- the, the temperature difference really does make um, a bit of a difference. You know, flying out from England in, in such cold conditions, and then you go to Qatar, spend um, I don't know how long we're going to spend there—a week or so, um, I suppose—and then go back um, and and play in very different conditions again. So. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's very normal that the body goes into shock and you, you might start picking up these, um, muscle injuries, um, uh, with, with the change in temperature. So, um, it's good that at least for now we have, uh, pretty much, um, uh, almost all our squad, uh, barring Matip and, uh, Klein, I think. Um, so, um, and if Matip is back in a few weeks as well, I think it's going to be, um, um, uh, really good uh, for uh, for the marathon that's coming up. 
Um, and like I said, we, we don't really have to worry about City at this moment in time. And hopefully we won't have to uh, until the end of the season. You, you touch on that quite nicely there. That's exactly what I was going to say. We don't need City to drop. City dropping points now is a luxury to us. All we need to do is maintain those nine points. And that's that's basically, I think, what, what we're going to do. You know, Jay, I know you were you were very strong on, on, on feeling City would drop points. And, and look, the game against Chelsea had reason that first half. They looked they looked on the on the rack and on uh, several occasions in that game, but they are fucking exceptionally good going forward. But if I'm looking at it, you know, and I, I know you talked about it in the last pod. For me, I I think the Leicester game with and we said this last season as well. It was the the company rocket that won it. Sure, um, I, I think Leicester will will be a, because they're defensively solid, and you know they have that counter attack with with um, Madison and, and Vardy. And and they are the type of team that can cause City. I, I think in this period that's where where they drop. But you know, back to their game, I get you know they reacted. We expected a reaction from them, but at the same time they were they were ropey in that in that in that first half. But we remain nine points ahead of them. We don't need to worry about them, surely. We don't need to worry, but we're always wary if that that comes across in the right yeah, way. We, just, um, we know we know we just need to keep winning. And, yeah, and um, the odds they, are possible. The odds of probability say this city team with this defense somewhere down the line will drop more points. Yeah, well, I think it was Dave touched on it the other night and said like they drop points in one in three games or one in four games. I think it was. So the likelihood is obviously because they lost to us um, prior to the international break. They've got a a bit of a tougher fixture list than what we have coming up in the next few weeks. So you'd expect them to probably drop points in one of those games. Now, I think it's key probably to note that their next two fixtures for City are both away from home. Um, they go to Newcastle next weekend and then they go to Burnley in the midweek fixtures. Um, our fixtures are both at home. We've got Brighton and we've got Everton. However, City do play before us on the Saturday to the early kickoff, the half 12 in the UK time. And they play on the Tuesday night and we play on the Wednesday. So they've got probably the pressure off them in terms of they can put a marker down themselves by getting some points on the board before we actually play. So then I don't know, is it going to work in their favour or not that they've got a little bit more of a relaxed attitude because they're not chasing the nine points that they could be on to closer to six. But then those two places are not easy places to go. Not this time of year. Newcastle's cold. Um, and they can get fired up for big games. I think they and caused City problems te- last year. Both and of those teams need the points, Jay. They both need oh, yeah. points. Well, Burnley are, Burnley are a good, solid outfit. I think at the moment they're, they're comfortably in the top 10. Um, and they've gone about the business quite quietly and just picking up results. Like yesterday was a good result for them. Away at Watford, obviously Watford aren't great at the moment. But to go there and win 3-0 isn't a bad result at all. The, the seventh... But there's only a point ahead. So there's a point behind Wolves in fifth. But there's only about four or five points that separates fifth to about 15th, 16th anyway. So the pressure's on them. But Burnley get a result. They they can keep up their challenge in the top half. And a top 10 finish for them is a successful season. Newcastle at the moment are 14th. But they're on 15 points. A win for them puts them right up into the top 10. So it's not beyond reasonable 
consideration that those two teams are going to cause them problems. I think Burnley would be the the one that you could probably pinpoint as a more likely source of trouble in City because they're, they're all wrong for City in terms of the, the way they play ball. They're, they're going to really test whoever lines up at the back, whether it's the back two of Stones and Fernandinho that we've seen yesterday or whether he, he brings in Otamendi or drops Rodri back in there as well. Um, but Woods and Barnes won't give them a minute for those for those ninety minutes that they will know they're in a hell of a match there. And I said on the pod the other day that they, they are going to drop points in this schedule. We've just got to look after ourselves. And I, I think as I said, I expected us to probably be between twelve and fourteen clear by Christmas. And I, I still stand by that. I don't think there's any reason why it won't be. And I, I truly want to believe you. Don't don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't want to believe. You. I, I, I'm I'm bought in a hundred percent. But listen, Shengus, we'll, we'll get away from City and move to to to, to new potential um, opponents. The Copa Libertadores final was last night. Um, <laughs> Flamengo fluking a win over River Plate two to one, and apparently the best team that ever. I was down in town last night. Apparently, this is the best team that ever fucking walked on a football field. <laughs> I feel that there's a shot coming their way uh, in in the very close future, but uh, you know, I know I know that as Europeans we don't get particularly excited. You know, I, I living down here, I, I've learned to understand the, the the meaning and the significance of the World Club Cup to to other nations and other continents. But in Europe, does does the fact that it's Flamengo, to the fact that you know, you're talking about an iconic side that we're projected to play should we both reach the final let's let's put that caveat in there as well but yeah i'm, I'm quite looking forward to it i suppose uh, the fact that my global position sort of buys me into it a little bit more as well and the fact that all my wife's family are like fucking flamengo through and through and all they do is bust my nuts about 1981 three nil and zico and you know i i'm, I'm a patient man I've, I've waited patiently for my moment and, and i feel it's arrived and do you share the excitement? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, I, I, I'm actually, sh- I actually share the excitement with you. I mean, uh, going back uh, a few months back, it was just about, oh yeah, okay, let's let's play this um, Club World Cup and maybe get that um, extra badge on the on the jerseys. But I think it's actually, it, I'm actually looking forward to it. You know, um, uh, coming across these teams who you like, you'll never maybe apart apart from Flamengo. Uh, you'd never ever um, like get to watch them or want to watch them even, and it's just um, it, it should be a fun challenge um, for uh, for the squad, you know, trying to analyze and uh, come 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 up against um, a team they've never watched before, um, and and also like I mean I, I'm also you know coming from Cyprus and uh, being close to Turkey where uh, you know uh, our part of the island is uh, supporting Turkish teams, you know, p- playing in foreign competition. Uh, really does mean a lot, and especially for you know other parts of the world. I know in in England and and in Europe in general, it's all about the European competition. But um, these kind of um, uh, funny different competitions are always um, uh, a big joy for very passionate uh, football people, where you want to kind of um, show your strength uh, not only to uh, maybe the continent that you're in or people who normally watch your team, but all over the world and. Uh, it just seems like a great occasion, especially, you know, uh, a team like Flamengo, who have absolutely insane fans from what I've heard from you and from all the pictures that I've seen, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people on the street. Um, you know, 
I can imagine that the, the, the whole city and never mind the stadium, uh, the, the whole city or country of Qatar will be absolutely bouncing with uh, these South American fans. And, uh, it, you know, the, the, these people all love football and, you know, so do we. So it's, it's, all, it's absolutely going to be a fantastic occasion. Uh, I just hope that we're able to um, uh, face them and not like Al-Hilal or uh, Hiengene Sport or al Sadr or whatever. I'm, I'm just hoping that it's going to be a, a Liverpool... Oh, they, they, are, they, they, they are pretty... At that level, Schengus, they are pretty good. Uh, barring a miracle. Um, you know, it, barring some disaster on either side of the draw, like really, really, it should be Liverpool Flamengo. And that, that, that and that's historical. That's I'm not saying anything that's the side of the way. That is historically how it runs. Yeah, and, and hopefully once we face them, we actually do go ahead and beat them because uh, in 2005, I think uh, we, we faced Sao Paulo, didn't we? And we lost that game 1-0, even though we absolutely... Uh, we weren't arsed. We were not arsed. It was Rafa Benita. He was not... We weren't... The, the squad, the fans, nobody seemed interested in it. And... Um, you know, like, uh, I, I, do, do, do you remember that time, saying Because, like, nobody cared. Uh, you know, I was back in the UK at the time. It wasn't even, wasn't even oh, I'll have to go there. You know, it was Japan at that time. I'll have to go away to Japan. But I think maybe even at that time, we weren't in in this stature that we're in at the moment. And I think that maybe detracted from it ever so slightly, given the condition that Liverpool find themselves in at the minute, the, 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 the squad that we have at the minute, we should be on the world stage, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, we 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 did play um, a full a full strength um, a starting eleven in that game, and we dominated the the game in terms of all the statistics and stuff. But we, yeah, maybe maybe the the extra ten percent um, effort or desire wasn't there at the moment. But this Liverpool team is just uh, it's just something else. And you know, once we we got the uh, the taste the taste of success, or once we smelt the blood, you know, winning. Uh, the Champions League and the Super Cup. Um, uh, it just seems like we're kind of um, an unstoppable machine now. And it, it's really nice to see uh, the motivation in Jürgen uh, that he actually really wants to take part in this competition. Uh, he already said, and uh, the club announced that they will be playing uh, two different squads for um, this one and the uh, and the Capital One Cup or the Carabao Cup, whatever it's called. Um, so it, it just shows that you know they're actually taking this seriously. And um, it's it's nice to be taking part in a competition where you need to win the Champions League in order to uh, take part in the competition. So um, it seems like everyone is up for it this time around, and hopefully uh, we get that badge on the shirt now. Uh, and I'm actually really looking forward to it. Uh, a few months back, I wasn't really too much asked, but now I'm I'm actually really looking forward to it. No, and I'm with you. I, I, I'm more than the badge and the shirt. I'm more interested on the on the trophy on the wall with a one underneath it. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure you'll share. Have you changed your opinion, Annie? You know, I'll say the fact that you know at least if we get to the final as projected, we are playing an icon, an iconic world side. Basically, there's not many teams. You you could probably reel off maybe a handful of teams that you know from certain parts of the world and certain countries and. It's a, it is a name that like that is springs to mind, like Flamengo, and you get like Flamenzi and Gremio. There's only a few that you probably reel off that you know of, like see Boca Juniors and River Plate in Argentina. And it is obviously it'll be global because it's a, a world tournament. And as we said pre-pod, you said it, it's huge in Brazil, and it's surprising that obviously you said the Brazilian public will will back up Flamengo all the way, even though. 
the main support of the team because it's it's more of a nationalistic pride that used to obviously said that if it was the shoe was on the other foot and it was Manchester United or Man City representing, then obviously we'd want whoever they were playing to beat them. Um, but that's obviously the difference in where we are in the world and the football fan bases and stuff. But it's a trophy we've not won. It's a nice gold badge on the shirt that you can show off to everyone else. Um, personally, I hope we still leave a couple of players behind, but I don't think we are for the Villa game. I think it's just going to be an under-21 team or whatever because I think I've said before, I'd like, I'd like the fact of a day out at Wembley is good for the fans. You're only a couple of games away and should you beat Villa, the possibility of teams you're going to face across a stupid two-game two semi-final, that's the competition. It's mouth-watering because you're going to face one of the Manchester clubs or Everton or Leicester. Now, on paper, you're going to be probably facing Leicester. Let's be realistic about it. So, why would you not want to be involved in, in the League Cup? And that's the only thing I've sort of got a little market against it is because it clashes. I think we were sort of backed into a corner that we've got to play both games in 24 hours, which will be a bit bizarre to, to watch Liverpool twice in 24 hours in two important games. But, you know, <laughs> Klopp wants it. The club won it. I guess obviously FSG won it. So, you know, why shouldn't the fans want it? See, I view it a different way. I, I, I totally buy into what you're saying about the League Cup. Every trophy is, is a trophy, and it shouldn't be underestimated. That, you, know, you say you're, you're a match-going um, person. You, you would be away to, to, to Wembley and whatnot. But on this occasion, I, I, I fall on, on the Club World Cup side um, just because of what it is and just because this is maybe a chance for this group of players to win something that the club has, has never won. But it's a question I want to ask you, Jay, is... You know, the fact you go to the games, have you heard of anyone, you know, of the match going public who are going to Qatar for this? Um, no one knew I personally know. There's a there's a lad who I follow on Twitter who, who goes to pretty much all games, most away games. He's actually doing Villa and Qatar. He's he's done a blog um post, I think he was featured maybe on Redmen TV. It could have been last week. Um and he's done a few articles that have been featured in a couple of the Liverpool fanzine websites that uh, his journey from Villa Park to Qatar in 24 hours, um, how he's documented it. He's the only person I actually know of who's going in terms of someone I see on Twitter, but I don't know if many fans are going to go out there. Obviously, there's the issues over the human rights and obviously that Qatar as a nation anyway is is very different to the UK and very different to a lot of countries in the world. So it's Hard to get a pint, Jay, from what I'm told. <laughs> well, that's not going to please many, is it? So I think we've got a fan base out there. Obviously, we're a global team. We've got global players. Um, I think Salah, obviously, being more of an Arab uh, representative, will also have a large following. Um, so we'll probably have a lot of locals from that neck of the woods in terms of the world who are probably going to watch us anyway so I don't think we'll be sure to support and um, I can't imagine you've got many travelling the distance from Brazil to Qatar for their support or you you could prove otherwise I don't know you'd know um, just want to join uh, jump in on that actually um, so I went to the Super Cup game uh, in Istanbul and uh, it was overwhelmingly, I would say, around 80% um, of the fans were 
mainly Arab fans uh, coming in from the Middle East. And there's also a, a large um, Middle Eastern population uh, living in Istanbul. But um, a lot of people especially traveled for that game. Um, so I would, I would kind of assume that, um, you know, and as you mentioned, Jay, um, probably 80% of the stadium, uh, likewise was wearing, uh, Mo Salah jerseys as well. Um, so I, you'd think that, um, it, it would constitute a big majority, uh, would be from the Middle Eastern fans and mainly Mo Salah fans who would be, uh, making the trip, um, to, uh, Qatar as opposed to, English fans, and I was even expecting more English fans uh, in Istanbul, but there weren't too many actually. So I, w- I would think that it would be almost entirely uh, the Middle Eastern uh, Liverpool fans uh, there in Qatar. Well, just geographically, it's not too far, is it, for even Egyptian fans of Salah to, to travel over really to Qatar? It's only four hours, but from the UK, really, Jay, like in real terms, it's not really that long a haul. No, but it's it's just that as we've touched it, the fixtures and you can't get a drink. The, 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 <laughs> the cost, and we've, we've got Christmas around the corner too, haven't we? And um, it's a lot of expense, even for loyal away fans. It's a, it's not a cheap European flight where we we do with the European games. We we can find our way across Europe any which way, but I don't think it's as simple to get to Qatar. You can't country hop through trains and planes and buses and everything else. So I think we'll still have a, a good fan base out there. And as Chenga said, we'll have a lot of locals from that part of the world as well who will be out there to, to back us up. So, yeah, I think it, in terms of what FIFA are after, then we are probably one of the ideal teams to be out there representing. Yeah, and, and just on your, your Brazilian point, um, you might actually get a surprise how many of them are there. I know for a fact there's a lot, a lot of Brazilians working in Dubai. And also, you're now into, you know, Flamengo are, are like, like, I mean, they're fucking huge. It's a religion here. It truly is a religion. And, you know, you have fallen in, you know, the, the society here, there's nothing in between. You're very rich or you're very poor. And, you know, a lot of people with a lot of money from Rio who are Flamengo fans will be just going um, because it's world champions, because it's the World Club Cup. And I think you might, you might get a very, big surprise at, at how many Flamengo fans are actually there because just because there'll be a lot of them working around Europe, there's a lot of Brazilians in Europe, there's a lot of Brazilians who and I know for a fact there are a lot of Brazilians in Dubai and you would imagine jumping from Dubai to Qatar wouldn't be a big deal and again, the the, the significance to them is obviously the World Club Championship, so I, I think you're in for a surprise maybe. I mean, it, it all adds to the to the essence of the, the competition, I suppose it's Say what what FIFA wants is they've they've got two big big teams out there and obviously we all expect probably those two teams to make the final. Um, so it I mean it stands a good stead to be a good a good short week out there and just looking at our fixtures I think we which like Cheng has touched on before we when would we actually go out there and, and acclimatize we we play Watford on the Saturday at half twelve at home. Um, and then our first game is scheduled for the Wednesday, so I'd, I'd imagine they'll probably fly whoever's going out there on the Monday, um, give them obviously the Sunday to recover and fly them out Monday, and that gives them 48 hours to acclimatise before they probably play, and then we don't Jay. play again until the 26th. Yeah, 
And, and what I'm sort of thinking, and I'll be curious to see whether he goes with this or not, but you know, given the fact, I think it's where we're projected to play, I think it's Monterey of Mexico um, in the semi-final. And you know, given the fact we're coming off the back of the league game, I would like to see a very much diluted uh, Shakiri, Lovren, um, you know, Lalani even. Um, absolutely for no problem. We, no, no, for the for the semi final of, of oh, the World yeah, Cup yeah, Championship, yeah, sure, yeah. and you know our first team for the final, but a very much diluted version of that. Um, I, I had no problem with Adrian playing. I, I think that a secondary type strain Liverpool team are more than capable of getting that job done in in the semi final, and therefore giving our major players like a week off in the middle yeah. of this chaos. Yeah, we could even. You could even mix in a bit of both. I mean, even if you threw in one of the front three starts in the semi-final and play 60-odd minutes and the other two have a rest or maybe one of them comes on for half hour just to, to get some minutes in their legs. But maybe Klopp might use this as a, a little bit of a warm-weather training camp because, they say, we, we, we played the, the Wednesday and then the final, I think, scheduled for the Saturday the 21st and then we're not back in league action until the 26th. So, in theory, we could probably have a full week out there and fly back Sunday, maybe Monday. And, and we should really be win both games without getting out of yeah. here. You know, really, like, honestly. We should we should do. And the way we're playing at the moment, and you, I think you said pre-pod that the Brazilian lads are in for a shock in terms of the defensive aspect of the game and what they're going to face with us. It's... It's a whole different ball game, so hopefully we go out there and do the business. But I can see Klopp maybe using it as a little bit of a warm weather training camp just to to give some lads a rest and get a bit of sun on the back and charge some batteries up, which which we probably need given the amount of fixtures we've got coming up. No, I, I'm on board with you absolutely, and and I think that I, I I would very much hope that that's the way he thinks about it because there is an opportunity here, as you say, to to. to you know, when life throws you lemons, make lemonade, you know what I mean? And and that's what what I think uh, he'll do. But listen, we're, we're going to do a pod anyway. I've got the guy from that runs the Flamengo English account on, on Twitter lined up to come on to a pod with us to preview uh, to preview the World Club Championship. Um, so that'll be, that'll, that'll be there in the future. But I think we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there tonight. We didn't touch on Fabinho's yellow card, but he should have had that in the City game, in my opinion. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as I say, that's about the only other thing we've, we've missed out on it. Um, just thanks again guys for your time as always always a pleasure talking to you um, I'll say a shame we didn't have a much more exciting game to talk about but hey three points is three points let's not knock it and just one last thanks again to you guys for listening we truly do appreciate that you taking the time to listen to us waffle and we will be back again after the Napoli game when hopefully we'll be very solidly in the last 16 of the uh, Champions League so until then I'll just leave to say the usual upper heads. 